Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Attacking Third on this beautiful Wednesday. Darian Jenkins, Christine Kupo, Lisa Carlin, and Jenny Chu here with you to break down everything in women's soccer. Um, Christine, welcome back. We hadn't seen you for a little bit. I've missed your gorgeous, gorgeous faces. Oh, we've wow. missed you. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're I'm so blushing. complimentary. Yeah. <laughs> that was very sweet. I really do love you guys. Goodness. So uh, you have been holding it down. I have been watching you, taking notes, making Aww. sure you every single. Well, yeah, there's your diary. Free, right? yeah. I got <laughs> also came in with the fit. Yes, the sky high heels. I had to dress. make sure you remembered okay. me. Okay, <laughs> got to make sure Jenny says my name. You know I struggle with the names, ladies. Um, but we have some breaking news to start the show. As Paris FC have knocked out last year's Champions League finalist Wolfsburg with a 2-0 win in Germany, the French side advances 5-3 on aggregate and had eliminated Arsenal in the previous round. Let's go ahead and react to this because crazy. This is wild news. When we heard it just now, we were. Incredibly confused because this is a Wolfsburg team that has been so dominant. And this Paris FC side have absolutely punched above their weight and are, have been impressive. This is very impressive. This is the same Petty FC side that knocked out Arsenal earlier in the Champions League group stages. And the fact that they get not one, but two over and on Wolfsburg, the last one coming in the 90th minute. There was a third opportunity as well. They, they hit the woodwork throughout this match. Um, it's it's exciting. It's it's going to make for an exciting Champions League. Yeah, chaos already. It sounded <laughs> a little bit NWSL-esque already. I love it. Um, but yeah, really good for Perry FC. It's great for the French League as well because there's only the certain teams that have dominated for so long to see them getting some credibility and success outside of just D1 Arkema is huge. So I love to see it. Yeah. Did you say that you had a teammate that was on that squad? Yes, Julie Dufault, my former Bordeaux teammate, got a goal today. Awesome. Super happy for her. Yeah, she got the first goal in the game. We definitely need to continue to follow Paris FC, mm -hmm. as Lisa says it. I, I just say Paris FC. But um, <laughs> hey, Darian is forward. the one that speaks French. He's the one that told me to say that. <laughs> because they have been impressing and obviously knocking out these two teams that have made it to the semifinals in last Champions League action. But we're going to go ahead and move on to the NWSL, where Mark Parsons is out as Washington Spirit head coach. After just one season at the helm, Parsons led the Spirit to an eighth-place finish in the regular season. And, through the and though the team missed the playoffs for the second consecutive season, they also had had the fewest losses of any team in the league. Let's go ahead and get a reaction here because this is news from Tuesday that Mark Parsons is out. Obviously, that 1-0 loss um, on Sunday has them out of the playoffs. Trinity Rodman getting a red card early in that match and, and that, that whole situation. But this is the fifth coach that 
um, Washington Spirit has had in five years. How do we explain this revolving door that's happening there? I think it's been um, a progression, I'll call it, rather than a revolving door, because obviously they had a number of issues that they were trying to fix uh, season over season, especially in ownership when Michelle Kang took over, which is wonderful. But I think we're starting to see less of a risk appetite, too, within the NWSL, where coach retention Mm -hmm. is getting shortened, Mm -hmm. which sort of maps to the broader football world in terms of revenues and expected investment when you get into the game now with a new manager. So I think that that's probably going to be on trend for the league as we move forward as the investments increase, which is a good problem to have. Yeah, I don't think it's surprising at all that, that Mark Parsons is out. Um, he's, like, history-wise, he spent the first part of the NWSL years in Washington, and then he went over to Portland Thorns where he found a lot of success. He left Portland and went internationally and coached mm-hmm. the Netherlands and did not have a success at all there with the Netherlands. And now he's back in the NWSL, a league that he knows so well. And when you look up, look at the makeup of Washington's rosters, they've got so many superstars mm-hmm. from top to bottom. Aubrey Kingsbury in goal. She was at the World Cup with the U.S. Andy Sullivan, Ashley Sanchez, Trinity Rodman, Ashley Hatch. And they only had 26 goals scored this year. The fact that you have that much star power, that much attacking prowess – in that roster of players on the pitch and you can't make the playoffs and and they didn't play a very attractive style let's of football this year. Let's go ahead and get into year. that. They didn't. It, Lisa, it, let's get into the style of play because that's something that comes up when we talk about the Washington Spirit, a.k.a. Mark Parsons' side this season. It's not very attractive. They, they play a lot of kick-and-run soccer. Mm-hmm. It falls on the shoulders of Trinity Rodman. She is the main reason why they picked up as many wins as they did this year. And she got a red card early in the final regular season match for Washington Spirit. And after she went out in the 24th minute, it was all downhill from there for Washington. She, it, the team rides on the backs of Trinity Rodman. Yeah, I completely agree. And to go off of how much talent they have in their squad, Sam Staub in the back, Andy mm-hmm. Sullivan, Ashley Sanchez, Ule Sar, the long ball and just running behind doesn't suit their team. You have footballers who want to play, want to get on the ball and be much more tactical and break teams down with the ball and not just catching up to Trinity and whoever's up top running the ball down. So I think they need a, a coach. I, I'm not surprised by them letting him go, we'll call it, either. But I do think it's such a talented squad. They need a coach to come in that's very tactically sound, that gets the buy-in from the players mm-hmm. and fits the way fits their personalities on the pitch mm-hmm. a lot more than Parsons yeah. did. When you talk about personalities, I, I also think of positionally, right? They, they had moved Terry McYoung from a different position to a defensive position yeah. um, and something that we didn't really <laughs> understand. And we talk about filling personalities, maybe positional play, all mm-hmm. of those things come in to conversation when you talk about the coach and his decisions. For sure. I mean, Tara McKeown was a forward for yeah. Washington. She was on the team that won the championship, scoring goals and, and contributing to chances created for Washington. She slotted into the center back role, and honestly, kudos to McKeown because she yeah. had a tremendous year playing a position she had never played before. Now, she was alongside Sam Staub, who is a veteran. She's the started every single match for Washington woman. the yeah. last three yeah. seasons. Yeah. So you're, you're playing alongside a player that knows a lot about the system and the team and the club. However, you look at Andy Sullivan. She wants to possess the ball in the midfield. She's the defensive six. She wants to receive it from one side, swing it out to the other. She can ping passes and break lines of defense, and they rarely used her. She was used as defense, not in in possession with the ball, and that's where the bricks started to fall apart for Washington. 
For sure. We have so much more news to get to, so we're going to continue this right now. We're going to move on to international team play with an international break on the horizon. The Netherlands are just one of many teams to have released their roster, and fans of the game will be happy to see Vivian Miedema back on the squad list. The striker has been out recovering from an ACL tear she suffered back in December of last year. Head coach Andres Jonkers has stated that there's a chance that we could see Miedema in action in one of the upcoming matches. Speaking of returns, Serena Vigman has called up Fran Kirby and Kira Walsh for the Lionesses' next Nations League matches. Walsh had missed the September matches due to a calf injury, while Kirby is getting her first call-up of 2023 after battling a knee injury all of last season. And one notable name not on the roster is Beth Mead, who got her first minutes since recovering from an ACL injury. Vegman stated that it's wonderful to see her back on the pitch and that she'll need to build up some match fitness with her club before getting called into the national team. We're going to go ahead and stay in Europe as Monse Tomé's second roster sees the return of Jenny Hermoso after she had been left off of the September squad. Salma Parayuelo, Ivana Andres, and Gotham FC's Esther Gonzalez also makes their return having recovered from injuries that kept them out of last month's matches. Um, let's get a reaction to this international news. Darian, I know that you were happy to see uh, some of the call-ups on England's side. Yeah, huge uh, shout-out to Kiara Keating. I think she has been stellar for this Manchester City side. Not only did she keep them at bay against Chelsea when they were down two players from red cards, Actually, they only had eight players on the pitch because Alana Kennedy went off um, and when Chelsea even the score out 1-1. But she made so many saves during that game that really they didn't end up losing 5-1 was crazy to me. Uh, and not only that, she's had two shutouts, one against West Ham and one against Bristol City. So her start this season with, with Man City has been so good. So I'm excited to see that she's getting the credibility she deserves with this call-up and hopefully we get to see her play in some matches. Viv Mierma. You know I'm going for Viv. Uh, we, you know, because I'm obviously You're part of the Arsenal, Arsenal side, absolutely. Um, have missed her sorely. Just captain uh, on and off the field. Just having her there is just a different team entirely. But obviously not that I want to talk about Wolfsburg again, but she was sorely missed already in this Champions League um, run. And I feel like she fixes a lot of the things that have gone wrong. I also have liked to see her in media more often. I think mm -hmm. that during her injury, she did take a, a little bit of a, a break from the footballing aspect because she was healing and was doing a lot of media. And I enjoyed hearing her perspective on a lot of things. Yeah, she adds a lot of value. She's very well-spoken and she, as you mentioned, captain. But when you look internationally, she's called into this Netherlands squad again because they needed her. Yeah. They, they've missed her dearly. Not just her, her attacking prowess and her ability to find the back of the net, but her leadership and, and her ability to galvanize the team when, when the going gets rough. And that's why we see her called into this Netherlands side, despite probably not being able to play. We'll see. That's a little bit TBD from the international side. They'll see how she's doing in training. And maybe she'll get some minutes uh, against Scotland, um, which then might trickle down to Arsenal play, which I know <laughs> I know Christine's happy about that over I'm here. I'm already but. jumping stones <laughs> ahead here. <laughs> um, lastly, the, the Spain news that Jenny Hermoso is back in camp with her teammates after the initial um, call-up by Monse Tomé saying that she did not call her up to protect her. And then the questions came up as to protect her from what she has now been called back in. It's good to see her back with her teammates. Yeah, I'm glad she's back in. I think we've missed her. We want her to be back into her groove. We love her playing football. We know that that's what she loves. And hopefully this feels like so much more of a safe environment to go into. And it's more therapeutic than stressful. I'm sure the last 
couple of years have been going into right. camp with the Federation. So I hope this is a really good reset. I hope we get to see her play, mm -hmm. get some minutes. She's fit, healthy, and just enjoying life because kudos to her. It's, it's been a whirlwind. Absolutely. Thank you, Darian. On the injury side of things, Manchester United defender Gabby Georges has suffered an ACL injury, which will see her out for the rest of the season. The injury is a blow not only to Man United, but also to England, as Vigman had been keeping a close eye on the defender for a potential call-up. Uh, this is a difficult one because this is her second mm -hmm. ACL tear. This is, I think, also the second Manchester United player that's out with a with a big injury this year. Yeah, this was a big summer signing for Manchester United to slot this defender into the back line um, in the outside back role. And the fact that it's so early in the season and she's already out is truly devastating. A homecoming for her as well. She wanted to make an impact in this club. And, and this is a United club that wants to be at the top of the WSL table and contend again at the very top and this just throws a wrinkle in their plans for the rest of the year. Yeah I'm bummed for her but you know I read a couple articles where she seems in very good spirits. She I'm gonna misquote not misquote her but she said that she's been here before she can get through it and she has the support of Mark Skinner their coach behind mm -hmm. her who said that we'll do our very best to support her. We're not gonna rush anything um, and I actually read something where he asked, is there anything we can do? And she said, can you win in Paris? Because yeah. they play PSG. <laughs> he said, we'll do our best. So it just shows her character and how strong she is that she's still wanting to support her team. And that's, that's her goal is she wants them to win. So yeah. I hope she recovers well. Sure. Wish her the best. And that's the tough. coach saying uh, 12 months. Yeah. That's it, which is really inspiring to see. So many times coaches say, um, well, we'll get her back here as soon as we can. She'll be back on the pitch before no time. But he basically said in his quotes, mm -hmm. no, take your time. Take as much time as you need. And if that 12 months turns into 11 months or 10 months, we'll welcome you back with open arms. But yeah. take 12 months and, and get the rest and recovery you need to come back even stronger. I think it's super important that she has been through this injury before. And the first time that she went through the injury, she actually came back pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. in her recovery. So it means that something about the knee, I don't know anything about the knee, but maybe her knees are really strong. Christine would like some of that. I know too much about knees at this point, but <laughs> yeah, I, I wish her well and a speedy recovery and a second ACL repair. It just, unfortunately, when you come back too soon, sometimes that is the tipping mm -hmm. point with yeah. a second injury. It just, the recurrences will continue to, unfortunately, statistically lean not in her favor, but... Okay, we're going to wish her our best from here. But we're just getting started here on Attacking Third. There is so much more. Sandra Rivera is going to join us to talk more about Mark Skinner parting ways with Washington Spirit and the rest of the NWSL coaching, Mark Parsons, excuse me, coaching vacancies. Stay with us. Parsons is just the latest coach to get sacked in the NWSL alongside Sam Lady and Chris Petroselli. Here to talk about the spirit and the other coaching musical chairs is CBS Sports journalist Sandra Herrera, our very own. Sandra, let's go ahead and start with the news that Mark Parsons, um, I guess, parted ways with Washington Spirit on Tuesday. Was it too soon to make a decision like this? I think it depends on who you ask, and you're asking me, so I'm going to say no, just, just because of... <laughs> Just sort of the reaction and things that, uh, you know, I've heard about it. And look, Jenny, I think use, let's use the wording that the club said. They said he won't be returning. For me, in terms of perception, right, that's a lot of people's reality. Uh, that means that they asked him to sort of, you know, move on from from this position, which I think that is something that folks are going to be fixated on until probably the next head coaching hire comes around. 
Uh, I like how you mentioned it in terms of uh, musical uh, chairs for for this coaching uh, position specifically, uh, just because this franchise just hasn't been able to really kind of find that coach to kind of be with the team and grow with them. And they're just two years removed from an NWSL championship. And they've got a lot of talent on that team. And they've got a lot of more resources coming in now with uh, Michelle King as their official owner. So expectations are high. They want to succeed. So yeah, maybe there's that combination of not getting the job done when they ask you to come in and, and, and get it done. But this is also another coaching change, right, under general manager Mark Kierkegaard. So I think when it comes to, to, to looking at that part of the equation, I think you also asked the other follow-up question to that, which is, you know, how, how many times is, is this general manager, president of operations, going to get the opportunity to pick another coach? All right, Sandra, I want to head to the other coast. Angel City FC, they let go of Freya Coombe in the middle of this season, and interim coach Becky Tweed took over. She went on an incredible run with this club, and now Angel City is heading to their first-ever postseason in the club's just second year of existence. Does Becky Tweed stand a chance to be the new head coach at Angel City? Well, I hope she stands more than a chance. I hope they're already having conversations on, on keeping her around. I, I don't know how you take a look at the resume that she's put together in just half of a season for this club and not say that she's at the very least in the running or in consideration for that head coaching position. It's Angel City. It was always going to be a very desirable position. I'm sure they were going to have suitors versus actually having to go out there and cast a wide net. But I think if you're taking a look at what Tweed has done with this team, with this club, just in under a season, I think you absolutely have to make sure that she is in the mix for the running of this head coach position. Sandra, let's move over to Kansas City, the first team out this year, sadly, coming off of a year where Matt Potter brought them to the finals in 2022. Now, Square Bloom came in and they didn't have the best end of season. Do you think she has a chance of staying for 2024 or what do you think the next move would be? Unfortunately, I think when you're looking at the, the record of things, I wouldn't put her high on the list, but I wouldn't be shocked if if maybe Kansas City wants to continue to have conversations with her, include her in the mix of a long, lengthy interview process. I think we all are in agreement that perhaps they have their eye on a homecoming for Vlako Andonovsky as he is available on the, on the head coaching market as well. But look, I respect and admire the confidence. Quabla, I'm saying in her exit interviews that she deserves a shot, and she feels like she has shown that she can run a team. And I think unlike Becky Tweed, while we take a look at the records there, they're not similar by any means. But she also was someone that was at the helm a bit longer than Becky Tweed. But I think that maybe looks better for Tweed than it does for Quablo. And unfortunately, there were a lot of hiccups along the way with Kansas City. You take a look at the player rotation as far as the injuries that they had to navigate throughout that. But... I think you could take a look at any team across the league and say injuries happen. You have to figure out how to manage those things. And unfortunately, Kansas City was the first team eliminated from playoff contention. And so I'm not too sure that is going to vote well with the franchise in terms of wanting to go ahead and extend or uh, sort of re-up a new contract for this head coach. But that's not to say that she won't have options on coaching staffs throughout uh, some of the other openings. 
Okay, Sandra, let's hit your beloved Red Stars. So with the nature of unrest across the board over there and now the dismissal of Chris Petricelli, what do you think comes next there? Yeah, I'm curious to see whether it's going to be a president of ops or general manager hire that comes first or head coaching position that comes first for this team. I personally would like to see those two titles separate. This is a franchise that has always sort of operated and navigated those two roles as dual responsibility roles. I think if you are a new ownership group coming in and trying to shake things up, you absolutely have to keep those two roles separate. You know, show that you're taking things serious. Don't be an unserious franchise and just sort of mix together the responsibilities of these things. Um, I really liked what their interim head coach, Lamassar, said after their loss to O.L. Reign. She believes that the team actually needs one more reboot. And uh, in order to do that, you're going to have to have those pieces in play. So uh, we'll see what, what comes next. I think she, she alluded to the fact that, you know, you're playing in one of uh, the most coveted sports markets. It as, as, a, as a pitch to, to players, and that could also be a pitch to, to folks who are looking at a head coaching vacancy. Sandra, let's talk about the Houston Dash, because this is a club that has had a lot of turnover in recent years. Sam Lady didn't even last one year with the club. Sarah Loudon, interim head coach, is now back running this team throughout this regular season. Where does Houston go from here? Who are they going to turn to? What kind of coach does this club need moving forward? Yeah, someone who could come in and actually get uh, the tactics down right to connect with the talent that they have in, in front of them. Unfortunately, we just didn't see that flourish or come to light with this 2023 Scott, uh, squad. Excuse me, um, Sanchez, you know, has had a phenomenal season with this club. Uh, they ended up trading Ebony Salmon away. And then I think folks are going to take a look at that and say, what did they lose and what did they gain when they initially made that move for this player who has now departed back to England? So I think they need to get someone who could come on in and get all the players on the same page, essentially. And it'll be curious to see who they actually target. Sarah Loden is not someone who's unfamiliar, unfortunately, with having to take an interim position with this team. So does she want the head coaching position? I think that's really up to her. But I think if you're Houston, you want to also try to make a splash in that head coaching market. Who are you going to bring in? And I wouldn't be surprised if, if maybe they're trying to have another homecoming of their own. Do they want to maybe cast a wide net and take a look at Twyla Kilgore, who's interim head coach for the United States women's national team right now. Ah, interesting. You mentioned it right there. Twyla Kilgore, Sandra, that has me leading to the question. But, you know, she released her uh, roster today. What is the most surprising thing you've seen on this roster or maybe the most uh, exciting thing that you're, you're happy to see there? I'm always excited to get a look at uh, newer names, uh, newer faces in the mix. Uh, I think when we were all sort of uh, trying to to take a look and, and predict what this roster might look like, it's probably no surprise to us as much as we talk about women's soccer on A3 that this is mostly a mix of the 2023 World Cup squad with a sprinkling of some new names and faces. We see Mia Fischel back in the mix. We also see Jaden Shaw back in the mix as well. But we get to see uh, Olivia. Moultrie, I think someone who has had a phenomenal season in NWSL to date. And I think 
some of this call-up could be tied to the fact that it's rewarding some of her play that we've seen with Portland Thorns. This is really the first season where we've gotten to see her more in a starting caliber position as opposed to coming off the bench before in the past. And I would argue that at this point in the season with the postseasons on the horizon, Moultrie is a bona fide starter. So getting her in the mix in this one is really exciting. And we already saw Twyla Kilgore give two caps to players in that September window with uh, M.A. Vignola and Mia Fischel. So will we get two other ones in this October friendly? We'll see. Sandra, now I know that this team particularly, we've gotten a lot of criticism about not necessarily calling up the right folks at the right times, not deviating from the same squads season over season. Do you think that seeing little deviation from the last roster is actually a good sign or that we're moving in the right direction or that these sort of sprinklings, I'll say, of new caps is more of an indicator of a positive momentum. I think it's a mix of both. I think you also just have to take a look at, at the current status of the program, the fact that they have to find a, a new head coach, the fact that the Olympics are, are on the horizon for this team at the beginning of 2024. They'll have to uh, go out there and, and compete in the, uh, in the W Gold Cup as well. So the fact that they had, you know, uh, sporting director Matt Crocker had, had put a deadline on things said, you know, not only is, is Kilgore going to be this interim head coach, she will be here through the October friendlies, alluding to the fact that they maybe want to get someone solidified in that head coaching position by November for that December window. So I like I like the mix for now. I think it's it's representative of sort of the vibe check that we're seeing across the board uh, for, for the national team. I, I, I liked what she touched on in her press conference as well about not you know, putting too much pressure on some of these newer players that come in at the moment while still wanting to to get a look at the players who have played internationally, who are in form at this time. Getting Becky Sauerbrunn back in, in the mix is is likely part of that equation with, with this center back position kind of also having a little bit of musical chairs at this time. No Tierna Davidson because of the injury that she picked up in, in club play. So uh, I think it's it's a good mix and and you know, representative for, for what the current state of the program is at this time. Sandra, thank you so much for all of that insight into the coaching musical chairs and the U.S. Women's National Team roster drop. We always appreciate your insight. Thanks, y'all. When we come back, we're going to go ahead and break down that U.S. Women's National Team roster drop for the October friendlies that Sandra had just touched on. Keep it here. Welcome back to Attacking Third. Twyla Kilgore has released her squad list for the U.S. Women's National Team's upcoming friendlies against Colombia. And though it's mostly similar to the September squad, there are a couple of changes, most notably Olivia Moultrie receiving her first call-up to that senior national team. And Becky Sauerbrunn makes her return to the roster after a lengthy injury that kept her out of the Women's World Cup. I want initial reactions here on Olivia Moultrie to begin with. First it's, call up. It's a lot of a lot of youth suddenly on the squad, right? Between <laughs> she and Alyssa Thompson, we the average age just drops. It drops, yeah. Right. Um, I think that obviously she's earned her spot, but she had a long, arduous journey just to go pro, which didn't happen all that long ago. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out. Uh, I'm excited for her. 
I think why not give her a shot at this? I mean, you look at the roster, 27 players called in by Twyla Kilgore. That is a large number of players that uh, you never see that on a national team roster, even for friendlies. So that is the max number, right? It is the max, yes. And, and often the U.S. doesn't even utilize the max. Mm-hmm. Um, it, right when even they go into play these friendlies against Colombia, you can't roster that many players. So a lot of them will sit out. And we see that often. I, I would be shocked if Moultrie gets minutes. Uh, but we'll see. I like that they bring her into a camp at this point, see how she fits in with the squad. And, and the midfield is um, – they're a little – They're a little thin there at the midfield position, so why not bring in Moultrie, a young player, get her some reps in camp and some touches on the ball around some really senior national team players. Lisa, we continue the conversation about these young players. Jaden Shaw in this mix as well, someone that we saw at the last camp, but just happy to see her back in there because I know early in the season we were thinking, come on, get her a call up in, get her in, and now she's in this mix as well. Are we happy to see that? Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes, Jaden Shaw. Yes, I, we're, I know we're all super happy. We've been talking her up this entire show um, since the start of it. So I think I'm super happy. I hope she gets some minutes because I personally love her as a 10. And we're constantly saying Rose is injured a lot. Who slides into that position? Mm-hmm. Who's challenging that position even? And so I think this young player who's shown that she's playing like she's 26, 27 years old, and you can still develop her and bring her in early, and she has more of a physical presence, in my opinion, could be really, really good for this national team, and I think good for the Olympics. Get her some minutes this camp, bring her in consistently. I think she'll rise to the occasion and thrive. And if you put her in the 10 and Alex Morgan ahead of her, they already play like that at their yeah. club. Yeah. So they've got that familiarity and that relationship together. It, I'd like her in the 10. I, she's listed as a forward on this roster, so I'm not sure where she'll play or how that'll rotate around. But, I mean, rosters and so positions are then. so, well, like, yeah. Well, if we're going to take Darian's word here, Roosevelt is not on this roster. And if you do want her kind of slotted into that spot because Rose had been mm-hmm. out with injuries, that's somewhere that we can see her. Uh, we'll see what Ty- Twyla Kilgore does there. But, I think my bigger question is, are there any players that you think shouldn't have been in this call-up or that are maybe someone you want to see called up that did not get the call-up? Savannah McCaskill. She has had such a great season with Angel City. How can you not call her up? I think she's developed a lot since the last time she was brought into the national team and completely changed her game. And I think she sees the game so much quicker than before. Um, And she's always been technically sound, but I think... She just, she looks like she's playing with happiness and joy and it's emanating in how she's scoring, how she's assisting, she's setting other people up, she's doing tricks and flicks Mm -hmm. and just the player that I think we knew her to be that maybe she lost some confidence from when she didn't get called in before and she's soaring high right now. So I would have loved to see her in this camp. I think she would be a great addition to the national team. Especially because the midfield is thin and, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of injuries that they're dealing with there. Um, I think that it's a good shout for sure because you could slot her into that role. I, yeah. I think that we might see Emily Sonnet play higher into yeah. the midfield mm-hmm. as well. We saw that at the very end of the World Cup for the United States and she's played in the defensive midfield role throughout uh, a well-reigned season this year. And without Julie Ertz, she's now retired. She's no longer in there. And it's only Andy Sullivan kind of that plays that role. So mm-hmm. you need yeah. to have a bit more depth in that position. Um, but, okay, if we're making shouts for who's not on this <laughs> yes. roster, I'm going to go goalkeeper Jane Campbell. Yes. She yep. has former national team caps, and, and she's been in that environment before. She led the NWSL with the stingiest defense and the best goals against and average. And most saves. And the most. She had, like, 30 clean sheets exactly. by October 1. And most save stat is so often skewed because sometimes a team can let up yeah. so many shots. 
Houston let up the fourth most shots this year. So they they weren't top of that right. that stats wise. And there was a good 25, 30 shots separating one from four in those standings. Jane's a really good goalkeeper and she's been consistent for Houston over the last couple of years. She she's stays healthy. I think she deserves to shout. Just get some more reps in there. It, but goalkeeper is such a competitive and yeah. hard position to rotate. I would also argue Jane is up there with Aubrey with how good she is with her feet. I think yes. her distribution yeah. is top tier and that's something that she has over the other keepers. And I do think her national team opportunities were cut fairly prematurely. So I agree, Lisa, this is a really good shout for a player that should have been called in. Is there anyone that we're not thinking of here? Because I feel like there are a lot of names that we throw out during the season, you know, that I was like, oh, Lola Bonta definitely needs a oh, call up. I definitely Bonta, said sure. that yeah. a couple weeks ago. I mean, Iron Woman, Sam Stab, you brought Sam her up Stab earlier. Feet. I think so, too. Yeah, she's a really good center back, and she's been so consistent with Washington Spirit. Mm -hmm. She is a stellar 1v1 defender. She's good airily. She'll compete for the ball. She's really good at breaking lines with her passes mm -hmm. and, and passing out of the back and keeping possession, plus her set-piece opportunity. Yes. She's got a killer left foot that can curl into the back post, and you need more weapons like that on a team. We're talking about the players that are leaving and who's coming in. Megan Rapino takes... A majority of the national team kick free kicks when she's in. Of course, they've got DeMello, who's a free kick specialist. But why not throw in Sam Staub there? She mm -hmm. can be really versatile on both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sarah Gordon is also mm -hmm. a center back yeah. that could slot into there. So this is one of the things that has always like kind of just been in my mind, but I don't really ever talk about it. Maybe this is a good space for it, is that with these national teams, you sometimes keep the same players a lot because that is like the culture around the team and that is like the core group and they have like a way of being and like the dynamics work within that team. And now we're getting, you know, some new players and obviously a few of those um, mainstays that have been on the national team for so long are now on their way out or they're out now. They're not in this camp. Um, what would be like the change or like the look of this team in, in the sense of like how the dynamics are at play? Does that make sense at all yeah I think it's it's a different generation you bring in younger players we, you know we've heard Carly Lloyd talk about how she didn't enjoy watching some players where it's you know it's a little bit more media focused and a little bit more light and having fun um, so I think that is a different dynamic and it that's mm -hmm. gonna be really difficult to manage especially if you have some veterans who have created this culture and then you're having to welcome in this new generation who is coached differently managed differently um, have to manage. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. Yes. So that's a difficult job, but I do think that because it's leaning more on the younger side, it's going to be more focused on that generation of the Trinities, the Sophias, the Naomi Germas, and I, I'm happy about it. I think the mm -hmm. U.S. needed this refresh for a long and, time. And there's, they're going to welcome in a new coach soon. Mm -hmm. Right. Hopefully, by and the that end determines of the year, a lot about which can culture. help reset or, or restructure the culture there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's incredibly important because sometimes when you have, for example, college, you have four-year cycles. You know, when, when we were there for four years, and every team or every leadership team has a different style mm -hmm. of leading, a different yeah. dynamic within the team, and I think that that always becomes incredibly important on how the team um, is successful or not. Yeah. A, a determining, you know, we had we had a, a senior group that we would go out and we would party and we would whatever. And then we had a senior group that said absolutely zero alcohol. What is it called when you're a dry, dry season. season? Dry season. <laughs> and like everyone determines, the leadership group determines the dynamics of the team and everyone follows lead there. So it's right, going to be yeah. interesting to see what the personality of this next national team is. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Well, with the regular season coming to an end, it's coming to a close. That means it's an awards time. So the Attacking Third Crew is going to give you our best 11s when we come back.
Welcome back to Attacking Third. As Casey Sony said to us on the previous show, the NWSL is an extremely competitive league, which what? Choosing our which is why <laughs> choosing our best 11 was incredibly difficult uh, from this regular season. We all have very different lineups here, but we did do it. Christine, let's go get it and get started with you. Big, big challenge, right? And I realized halfway through, I think I was just playing my own game of fantasy football. <laughs> but I digress. I still chose the best 11, in my opinion. So um, we'll get started um, from, I guess, we'll start from the back with uh, Jane Campbell of Houston Dash. Obviously, immaculate sheets this year. Um, she's great with dribbling at her feet. Um, just absolute linchpin of that side. She managed to be integral to a lot of their wins this season in managing to keep them afloat. Um, and then I have in the back from left to right, I have Carson Pickett, Naomi Gurma. I have um, Sarah Gordon and then Sofia Huerta on the right side. Following in the trend of the NWSL super attacking fullbacks, uh, obviously, we have pace back there, but we also have um, extreme composure in Gurma. We have uh, Sarah Gordon, who's great at tackles, also her vision in the back. Um, and then we have our zippy ones on the left and right. Carson Pickett, obviously, uh, super duper defensively and offensively reliable um, and great for assists. Then we have um, Sarah Gordon's efficiency and precision. Um, she racks up tons of tackles, and she's also great at picking up interceptions. Um, her read is just impeccable. Uh, moving on, I guess we'll go to uh, Crystal Dunn and uh, Labonta in the midfield, which I get this is probably where I diverged a bit because we haven't seen a Crystal Dunn <laughs> midfield in a while, but you know what? I'm, I'm doing it for the people, okay? So we have Crystal Dunn who can literally do everything and Lola Bonta, um, likewise. I realize that we're setting up this pace. Um, a little bit of an inversion there. So Sam Coffey is more of my six, I'd say, um, since she really can do everything. She's a bit of a metronome in the midfield there. Um, extremely defensive minded, but can absolutely pivot and make sure that she's making the most optimal pass for creating chances. Um, and then up top front line, I've got Zabina, uh Caroline and then Messiah Bright. I feel like Messiah Bright has made a statement this season and uh, become quickly one of my favorites. And also she's getting very, very used to playing with Brazilians. So I'm sure Marta <laughs> has taught her how to samba um, and will have a lot of firepower up top there. That's a dangerous front line. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I really like that. Even the Darian, let's get too. to yours here. <laughs> yeah, let's go to mine. I had difficulty choosing. This was such an interesting season in the NWSL. But let's start. I love that you had Jane Campbell back there. I did too. That girl has kept Houston afloat all season. The back, Casey Kruger, Abby Ursa, Gurma. Nice longer. I wanted to give the rookie some credit because she has been stellar this season, especially being a natural 10 and going as an outside back. I thought was so great. She had a really good rookie year. I'm excited for her future. Sam Coffey, obviously, most assists in the league. I think she is so creative, clean on the ball, has so much more room to grow. Sugita, probably one of my favorite players of the season. I just love watching her play. She's so intelligent. I think her and Coffey complement each other really well. Then I've already given some love to Savannah McCaskill. Gonna give her some more. She has been so good for this Angel City side this season. And then up top, this is scary. Think about Dabinia, Sophia Smith, and Caroline. <laughs> Sophia Smith, I think, plays similar to the Brazilians, but having that 
1v1 ability and the combinations of those three up top with Sophia Smith's holdup play mm -hmm. is scary. Yeah. That to Lethal. me is my, I would love, I would put them against an MLS team. Like let's, we should have like oh, best so 11 cool. MLS against NWSL <laughs> best 11. That would be, we oh, would show up. The next that. MLS all-star, send out, out the invite, right? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. Go for it, Lisa. Okay, we're going three for three in the goalkeeper <laughs> position because yes. Jane Campbell cannot be overlooked between the sticks. She has an over 85% save completion this year. She was dominant. I've got Casey Kruger, Emily Madrill, Sarah Gordon, and Malia Berkeley across the back line. Now, I got some looks for Malia Berkeley. This is a player that in her second year with North Carolina has done a tremendous job. She slotted in alongside Kaylee Kurtz and has just grown so much in the game. Defensively, I've got Danielle Colaprico and Sam Coffey. I want to double pivot in my best 11 because that's how we attack best. When Sam Coffey gets on the ball, she can push forward, combining with Yasmeen Ryan in that attacking midfield position. Ryan held down the midfield for Gotham this year, despite the ups and downs and injuries. She was such a consistent factor. And my front three, Caroline, Sophia Smith, and Jaden Shaw, to me, it does not get much scarier than that. <laughs> Oh, I like that. You know what? That shout for Yasmin Ryan is someone that I should have put on my roster. Now that you've put it in there, I'm like, you know what? I should have done that. Well, Lisa, four for four in my roster because Jane Campbell oh, is also yeah, my goalkeeper here. If we take a look, uh, she's the you know keeper on the best defense in the league. She had the most saves in the league. She deserves credit for that. Emma Vignola was a breakout year for her. She got her first two call-ups with the national team this year. Um, and Sam Staub, obviously, iron woman. She played every game, like you mentioned earlier, Lisa, in the show. Every minute of every game for three seasons long and um, like Adriana one of our researchers said she goes well she wouldn't be playing if she wasn't any good so I love that uh, she is the backbone of that team and Bruninha uh, Gotham had some trouble scoring goals last season but they brought her in and I really like her on the right side there she did a lot of things moving forward with the team and really helped their attacking force there I have two Savannah's in my midfield Savannah DeMello and Savannah McCaskill um, you know Savannah DeMello just setting a, a style of play for racing Louisville she scored five goals as a midfielder as well incredibly important McCaskill, just a fighter. You know, she sets the intensity always at all times. She also has great through balls, great vision, and I really appreciate her in that midfield. I've been talking about Lola Bonta, deserving a call up on the national team. She's a leader on the pitch. I really like that she's fun, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's something about bringing that dynamic to a team that, that counts for something. Um, kind of like Darian on our team, right, Darian? Oh, wow, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she was a bright spot on a team that did not do too hot this year. Uh, Sam Coffey, I've been singing my praises for her play and everything she does all year long, so I don't think I need to repeat it. Um, but Sophia Smith, top goal scorer um, on the team that scored the most goals. 42 goals, obviously the best attack thus far. Caroline leaving, leading North Carolina. She has 10 goals on the season, three assists despite being away for the World Cup for some time. Uh, but really, just leading the line in North Carolina and changing things for Sean Neha's side. Morgan Weaver, however, um, I think I had to put her in there. Seven goals and four assists. Obviously, I just mentioned the Portland Thorns scoring the most amount of goals. You don't have that without Morgan Warren Weaver creating chances and yeah. scoring her own. I really, really loved doing this drill here. I, I love the shout from Morgan Weaver. She yeah. was an honorable mention on my best 11. If I could do best 12, it would be Weaver. There you go. In there. She created so many chances for Portland. Oh, yeah. yeah, you guys did really, really good best 11. <laughs> yeah, these were great. I, I love Lola Bonta being in there, too. I mm -hmm. don't know why that didn't click in my mind, but honorable mention low because I think she's deserved the call up for a really long time. Yeah. And you're right. I like the energy she brings. I think she brings like really positive attention to women's soccer as mm -hmm. well as we've seen the last two seasons. 
So call her in. Yeah. She deserves it. She's, she's this been is hard. The best 11 was hard. There's so many talented, versatile players in the NWSL, and to just pick 11 was tough. But I mean, Jane Campbell, she was our common yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to show you all my drafts, so. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Now, now that I think about it, that deserves a call up to the U.S. national team if mm -hmm. all four of us have her on there. I don't oh, know. I mean, let's call Twyla. You know, let's go. Let's go. Twyla, let's go. All right, guys, that was an incredibly fun little drill there. Thank you, Courtney. Next up, we're going to have a sneak peek of part two of Carly Lloyd on Kicking It. Stay where you are. You're not going to want to miss it. Last week, we discussed part one of Carly Lloyd's interview on our newest show, Kicking It. Part two airs on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Golazo Network. Be sure to tune in as the U.S. women's national team legend gets a little more personal. Here's a sneak peek. Am I tripping or are they <laughs> super similar? These Clint two? and Carly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always thought of Carly like Clint in terms of they were like twins in the way that they were just, they were gonna fight you. They were, they, they, <laughs> oh, they were, they were gonna grind no matter what, they were gonna give 100% and the commitment to play and be their best and be authentic. Lead by example. That, that was, mm. they were do you, twins. Do you feel like you get to be, now that your playing days are done, like a little bit more yourself, which you didn't think you probably would on this side of it? I feel more free. Yeah. What do you mean this side of it? Media, yeah. okay. being an analyst. When you're playing, it's like focus. Don't bring any other drama that could interfere with the team or how you're playing. And I was almost like you become more of a hermit. Like you wanted, I personally wanted to do less and less towards the end. But now, like here we are. We're doing a show. You've done a World Cup. I've done a World Cup already. And it's like Jen too. Oh my bad. She's already. I mean, she's already beating me, bro. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do. I didn't do full. I didn't but do the full. Match. In the sense of. You know, more of your lightheartedness, yeah. joking around, um, but just being able to like be free. Yeah, I don't feel like again that that margin of error for me. Like I couldn't f up because I'd be on the chopping block, and so I felt like anything that I said or did or yeah, I couldn't I couldn't be my I was my true self, but I couldn't be my most vulnerable self and be open and honest because I just felt like. People wanted to see me fail, and do you trust media now? Ah, uh. <laughs> she says, "Psych." Do you trust media? I mean, I I just think it's you know sometimes a a bit of fluff and not really mm. the the truth. Um, I think this is this is great because you get to sit down and it's not twenty seconds where you've got to get your point in, or you know it's. It's it's real. It's, it's kicking uh, it. Yeah, it's you know, it's kicking <laughs> well, it. And and we talk about like you, we're talking about the kneeling. Like I'm not gonna dislike you because you disagreed. Disagreed yeah. or you have a different opinion. Like all right, you have a di different opinion. I mean that's we all have that's different life. opinions. It's life. And that was the case. Me and Clint maybe maybe friends. your <laughs> maybe your explanation of something was a, a different way that I interpreted it, right. and vice versa. It just yeah. So. We appreciate you trusting us with your story, for sure. And I know that, like, unanimously, there's so much respect for you. Thank you. Amongst this group. So Same thank you. Guys. We appreciate yeah. you. You got to come back. I shared, a, I shared a lot more than I've ever shared. So uh, I'm sure there'll be some, some clicks out there, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Call thank you so much for your time. Appreciate the it. The legend. Thanks, guys.
Carly Lloyd's interview part two with Kicking It airs Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the Golazo Network. Be sure you tune in to hear everything that she has to say. Incredibly important insight there. But thank you guys so much for joining us today on Attacking Third. We're going to be back on Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Let's take a listen to that difference there. 9 p.m. Eastern time. We have a huge show as we preview the upcoming NWSL quarterfinals. So much to talk about on Friday. We will see you then.